The Game Schooler Podcast is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover some Game Schooler news, Disney Villainous, our recommended game of the week, discuss place-based learning and asymmetric games in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with a high-five challenge. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How you doing, Michael? Doing great, Doug. How are you? Oh, I am fantastic. Another great week of talking about games. Well, what could go wrong? Yeah, it's awesome to be here uh, in the studio recording, talking, and I'm excited to, to share with our listeners all the, all the good stuff we've been working on and, and get into it here. All right. Did you play any games with your family this week? With my family or with my co-host? Uh, a little bit of both. All right. Yes, I actually took a picture of our game stack. All right. I wrote them down, so we'll see how good my memory matches your camera's memory. Well, okay. So it's those going are down. Your games. Okay, you lead. I'll follow. Go no, ahead. You, no, you go. All right. I actually got a chance to play The Mind this weekend for the first time. For the first time, you're a yeah. newbie, huh? Yeah, I am a newbie on that one. And very difficult with three players, especially with my oldest daughter, who's 11. I was perpetually the fool. Um, so I f- fits with most other things in our house. Yeah, what's new? Yeah. But, but good game. I like it. I, I, there are other games I've played that I like better, and I, I won't get too deep into that. Um, little that, shot. That, that, go that, ahead. That one's very group dependent, I will say. Yeah. I, I have had really, really good experiences with it, and I played it recently and had a not-so-great one, and I think, I think it's very group dependent. But move along. Okay. That's the mind. And then impact. Played a little impact. Some I, dice mashing and smashing. I think I played some impact this week too. My kids are really starting to. I think we've turned a corner with it. Okay. We're, we're past the tears, and now we're seeing that everybody can win and lose all the time. Yeah. So that's been nice. And then Bonanza played uh, Dr. Reiner Kanitsia's Bonanza. Well, that would be great, except it's not by Dr. Reiner Kanitsia. Isn't it? No, it's oh, a, it's Uwe <laughs> Rosenberg. I need to zoom in on the picture. Thanks for correcting it. Yeah, no See, problem. The other guy who makes more than 600 games. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, All about uh, farming, no yes. less. So, um, And then a little Azul. We're, we're still into Azul. I know I talked about it last week. I think that's one that is going to get played frequently. Um, there's another game we played, but I'll save it because I also played it with you this weekend, unless you want to talk about jumping into that, and that was Ohanami, and I had to take a picture because I have mispronounced that game 15 yep. different ways. Yep, o- uh, Ohanami is correct that, from what I gather. That is a wonderful game, and I'm very glad that we added it to our collection at home. It's one that I know I'll be playing a lot over the next several years. Yes, it is very good. Um, I played the game again, quick and easy with you and my daughter, not at the same time, separately. Mm -hmm. Uh, we played Truffle Shuffle, a new one that was by the same people that did Point Salad, which is another awesome game. I loved it. 
I enjoy. I enjoy. I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm not sure where I'm at with it. It was not an instant hit to me. I think it has good qualities, but it's not. I've got some issues with it. But how much time will you give me here? Because I've been thinking about this since we played it. Go ahead, fire away. Loved it. It has. um, First off, I love truffles. I absolutely. (laughs) So looking at delicious chocolates is wonderful. But I really enjoy card games, and Truffle Shuffle involves some of the set collection or poker mechanics where you're trying to build small straights and large straights, and you can see some of the cards that you're selecting, but other cards are hidden, and I liked that aspect of it. I thought that the game moved very quickly. We, we only played it with two players, so I yeah. think it would be different with three or four players, certainly. Certainly harder to get as many um, runs and, and sets Yeah, with, with more players. You'd be limited. We were able to churn them out pretty good because we had access to yeah twice as many cards if you were playing with four people it doesn't change the setup at all so growing up playing skippo and uno with my grandma and then getting into high school i mean i'm I'm in wisconsin here so it's euchre or sheep's head it really depends on what part of the state you live in and and i i've been in both communities i've lived in a euchre community and a sheep's head community and not to get too deep into card games but truffle shuffle had me thinking about the game on monday and tuesday and wanting to play it again into wednesday as if I had played a really good card game. You know, if you have an intense rummy game on the weekend and then you're kind of thinking about, well, if only I would have done this or that. So I liked it. it uh, immediately, it was definitely a big hit for me. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was a good game. It, Like I said, I um, there was just a couple things where the, the abilities kind of threw me off and I thought it could be a little bit more clear. Yeah. And, and that's... That was my big thing is more of a game design aesthetic type of a thing than than the actual gameplay. I think I liked the gameplay. It was just there was a couple mental hurdles in the graphic design that I needed to get over mm. to really feel like I was could fully strategize and make make decisions. But did it have to do with the colors? Do you need to be colorblind like me so that you just Probab- read the words? Because it, it probably was <laughs> that that there, you make a very good point that some of the colors were reused, and if you're not one of the gifted people that's colorblind, <laughs> uh, those things kept coming up. It, it's like one of those things where uh, a game will have action spaces that are a certain color, yeah. but they're also a player color. Or a card color in the yeah, and you're like, together. oh no, yeah. that's not yours. And I kept kind of getting caught in that trap where it's and like that was bothering you while we were playing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a couple mental jumps that I kept having to make, but that's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about truffle shuffle all day. Uh, we also played wingspan, yeah, which is a such an awesome classic. You'll be hearing more about that from us in the future. I don't want to spoil anything, but a great game about bird watching. Yeah. As if those two things would ever ever be put together. Bring the ornithologist and the gamers to the table to unite. Did, did it, I not use the right term? You looked at me like ornithologist. That's a bird watcher, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we'll do a fact check that no I, I I'm going to say we'll do a fact check and there's going to be nothing extra added to the podcast to do Good. that fact check whatsoever. Um it's funny because my one of my actual favorite games of all time 
is also another bird watching game. Really? Called Birds of a Feather. Very. I, you, it, this is my dice tower where I talk about a game that you probably can't get, but it's one of my favorite games. So okay, tough. Birds do you of have a Feather. It? I do have it. Yeah. Okay. It's in the card quiver. Well, during the ad, I might break into your quiver and <laughs> check yeah, it out. That sounded uncomfortable. Then uh, we also played uh, Colt Express. Yeah. Which is a Spiel des Jahres winner, and that was your first time playing it, right? It was. So a little bit of programming and hitting, hidden information, uh, planning out what you're going to do, but you're not sure exactly what everybody else is going to do. So those plans can get thrown off the rails, and you could be punching air or yeah. shooting no one. I'm glad we had a third person. We, we brought yeah. my daughter Josie to the table to play that one, and she enjoyed shooting me and uh, throwing a punch and, and landing it right on your jaw. That that was a fun game. I'm surprised at how fast it went, too. Yeah, and if was... you can imagine, they have Colt Express. Colt? Colt Express Expre- or Super. A or faster version? A faster version oh, wow. that just yeah. came out. So those are the games we played. Uh, as far as what we're working on, we may or may not be working on some of the games that we just talked about. Yeah. And have some things kind of in the in the works for those. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but a chunky game like Wingspan, you can imagine there might be something that a company like ours might be able to dive into and pull a skill builder out of, right? Yeah, and not quickly on something like Wingspan. That's more like a four to six week research and design, really going back and forth, a little bit of heated discussion, a little bit of aha. Um, some tickle fights thrown in. If, if okay, didn't well, know yeah, you were going there. No, well, um, but I, I don't want to uh, let people see behind the curtain. But it might, may or may not be part of our everyday working process. It is an awesome game, and there's a lot of directions that we could go to with that, from a critical thinking and strategy to an art to um, uh, there's there's just so many different places we could go. All right, any follow up from last week's show while you were thinking about it? I, I don't. Um, quickly, all right, because I've got Dr. Reiner Canizio written down here. Do you know how many games this guy has made, according to Board Game Geek, which is a site that has all the games? I'm going to estimate conservatively and say $4 million. <laughs> 614 games. But that's kind of a lie. Because, no, here, so I want to clarify yeah. that you said there's 600 and how many? 614. Okay, what people don't realize is Dr. Reiner Canizia has only designed 15 games, <laughs> and, and the rest of them are all reskins. Like they're all reskins of his games. So, Every year there's a thing that comes out that it says, oh, now I'm releasing Potion, which is a re-implementation of game A, which was... A re-implementation but that's what great of great teachers do. Great <laughs> teachers just take a lesson and re-implement He's it. a recycler, but he does make great games. Now, here's where I'm going. Shots and Totten, yep. game that, that you had introduced me to. I yep. love it. Now it's in my collection, played it. I, I went down the rabbit hole of, okay, I just want to know other card games that yep. this guy has made. Do you know how many card games Reiner Knizia has made? Two with 400 <laughs> variations. Correct. Over 200. <laughs> so that's where... My big takeaway and follow-up and clean-up, when we're talking about a game on here, you need to know it's family-friendly. It, it generally will have a decent rule book. Otherwise, I'm unable to interpret it. There <laughs> might be a doctor in front of my name, but when it comes to learning rules, I need simple or else something really good on YouTube. And 
I, I just went down one of those rabbit holes where I wanted to find other games, more games, and got lost and wasn't able to come back out. Fortunately, I didn't buy 15 the, new games. I you're like go, Alice yeah. going through the yeah. Reiner Knizia rabbit hole? It, it was. It was a, a bad and deep one. All right. I only have one other follow-up from last week. Last week, our recommended game of the week was Horrified Universal Monsters, and I just wanted to let everybody know that we've got some ideas percolating on that one as well that you may be seeing in the future. Uh, we're, we're through the working stages on, on some of those, but there, there may be some content coming from, from that game as well. Yeah. So we will leave that at that, and we will move on to this week's recommended game of the week. This segment is sponsored by Funny Cars, a skill builder for Ticket to Ride First Journey. Have you ever heard a train that's far away and thought about what it was carrying? Have you ever been riding in a car when a train goes by and wondered what's inside that train? In this skill builder, your little gamers fill their own train cars. This skill builder is for grades two to four and teaches children creativity, confidence, and group discussion skills. What are you waiting for? Find out what's in those trains already. The recommended game of the week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection, and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week, lest you think that we're officially sponsored by Ravensburger, is also by them, and this week it's Disney Villainous. So according to the publisher... In this epic contest of sinister power, take on the role of a Disney villain and strive to achieve your own devious objective. Discover your character's unique abilities and winning strategy while dealing twists of fate to thwart your opponent's schemes. Find out who will triumph over the forces of good and win it all. So, Disney Villainous, how you play, is every character has a player board. That board you move your player token, which is a abstract little uh, modeling of your character, really cool tokens, uh, that you move across your board to initiate different actions. All of the actions that each player can do are, for all intents and purposes, the same for every player. You can activate cards, you can play cards, you can gain power, which is the currency to play cards. You can vanquish heroes and... Uh, play fate cards on other players, which is what brings that character, that villain's heroes into their realm. Um, each player trying to complete their own unique objective to win the game. Am I missing something on gameplay? That The, the, the basic summary of that. I just want to repeat what you just said. Each player, each villain has their own unique objective to win the game. And my background and story with this game is I, I saw it over here at Doug's house. I got really excited. One of the big box stores had a special going. I actually picked up that and horrified at the same time. I knew my kiddos were having friends over and I'm gonna teach I'm gonna teach Disney villainous. And it was a disaster because I was trying to teach six different ways to win and figure out how to play the game. All right. And go so, ahead. So go let's, ahead. Let's, let's dive in here. Normally we talk about what we like first. I think both of us probably have this in our nitpick 
of it's a hard it can be a hard game to teach because you're teaching two different halves of the game. There's the functions of the game, which are the same for everybody, which is moving to different areas on your location board. Those are all the same, and the actions that the players can take are all the same. But every character, there's six characters in the base game, has a different way to win, has different cards in their deck, and there's different ways to utilize those cards to complete your objective. Objective. This is an asymmetric game, which I'm going to talk about later in the School of Gaming, but that's where it gets complicated in teaching. In teaching it, yes. yes. And I didn't mean to just jump in. You know, I, I, I try to start with highlights. The, what's fantastic about the game, do you want me to, to jump into that? Yeah, do you have any other nitpicks while we're here? And then we can talk glowingly for the rest of the, the um, segment. I have a few, but let's come back to them. Let, let's, okay. let's talk about what is fantastic. If, All right. The initial game includes six different villains. And if your kiddo has a favorite movie, or if you just got done watching a Disney movie, the powers, the unique abilities that each character has is tied so tightly to the film and the character, and it's wonderful. Whether it's Maleficent or Captain Hook or Ursula. Ursula still scares me, all right? I was like eight or nine years old the first time I saw Ursula. She still scares me. She kind of looks like my mother-in-law. Well, hey, easy. That might be one of our first 13, 14 <laughs> listeners here, Doug. Oh, uh, highly doubtful. Really hope that uh, that doesn't... I'm get... confident. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was Doug who said that. You could play that back. Um, yeah, And Jafar and Queen of Hearts, the, the villains play to how they are in the film. And, and I love that part of the game. Somebody who grew up, Peter Pan, that's one of my favorite films, and getting to play as Captain Hook and have other players play out of what's called the Fate deck uh, into my board. So I'm, I'm seeing Peter Pan show up on my game board because you just played Peter Pan, and I have to clear Peter Pan out. Um, it, it's a really good game. It's different than a lot of other family games that we recommend. Yeah, that's one of the top things that I have is a theme. And not only the theme, because the theme of, of Disney is exciting within itself to me and to a lot of people. But the what you were talking about is the integration of the theme. Each character mimics their film very well. Those are tightly wound together in a way that you don't find very often in IP games, certainly. We talked about those last week, but yeah, here we are talking about another one. I'm still stuck on the Ursula comment, man. I'll try to get over it so we can move on with our show here. <laughs> that, was, that was something. All right, well. What, what else do you like about the game? I love the artwork mm -hmm. in the game, the, the graphic design and the artwork. And a lot of times in an IP game, there's screenshots and, and things like that from the film. And they can kind of just look clunky or yeah. out of place. And these, I mean, it's Disney art, so it's good art. It's good animation that they're pulling it from. But it is really sharp. The, yeah, the, images, the blues and the blacks, yeah, the, the, image, the villains. The, the images yeah. that they picked for the different characters. I, I'd have to go through with a fine-tooth comb to know if they're actually stills from the movie or brand new art, oh. but it's, oh, it's so yeah. well done that I, that I really like it. The other thing I like about it is although 
all of the characters have different objectives. The gameplay core is the same yeah. across the board. So I want to jump in on that in a minute. Yeah, while there's a deep there's a there's a little bit of a learning curve once you start to learn the system, it's easier to see where things branch off. Yeah. So the first time I played this game, I, I already talked about it. You know, I, I taught a group and I was kind of miserable. The second time I played uh, Thanksgiving, I, I, I have a, an extraordinarily large family that I married into. And we play games on, on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of Thanksgiving. We play a lot of games. And the second time I played Villainous was on that, that Thanksgiving weekend game push. And what I found out was... In teaching the game the second time, because the core mechanics are the same, people learn the game at roughly the same time and, and stumble through that first turn. And the second turn, they figure out what's going on. And I really enjoyed in the classroom that aha moment. And anyone who's ever taught, whether you're teaching your kid to ride your bike or tie their shoe or anytime you see that aha moment, this game has that built into it because... The game works differently than other games. Uh, people tend to learn the processes of the game at the same time, and I really enjoy that. This is actually a game that I love to teach, and I think part of that is because of the epic failure that I had the first time in teaching it. It's one that I do like to bring to the table and show people the first time how it works and, and even just ask, what, which one of these villains is your favorite or least favorite? Any of these movies that really call to you or take you back to a time? Um, because it covers such a large period of time. Yeah, I mean, Captain Hook. When was Peter Pan made? I, I'd have fifties, fifties, right? All the way up to Maleficent. You know that that just came out a few years ago. Well, not the original. Well, not the Sleeping original. Sleeping Beauty, which is what it's from. So yeah, but I'm talking with you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well. Um, let's put it in terms of there's expansions, which is great. But I mean, those are going yeah. up into uh, Mother Gothel from Tangled, so it is stretching. And yeah. and uh, I think the second one's got Snow White in it, which is the first full length feature animated film. So it is stretching a long period. And as they release more expansions, there's a better chance that your favorite villain is out there, is available. Yeah. And not again, not to just do a huge plug for Disney. That's not what we're doing. And, and the Walt Disney Company has not given us any money for anything like that. It, it's, no, in fact, I'm buying stuff from them yeah, all the time. You are stock done. vacations. <laughs> you, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, hopefully a nice little thank you package will show up someday. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go finish up any nitpicks that we have. So one of the things. We talked about teaching the game. So what I found is you teach the game, the, those basic core things. Everybody does that together. You give out, everybody's got a, a special guide to kind of help them explain how their character works and what to watch out for. Some people are going to be very overwhelmed by this game. Yeah. And it is not a game that you pick off the shelf at Walmart and you're thinking, I love Disney this is going to be shoots and ladders Disney. I'm just going no to be able to pick it up way. right away. It's a gamer's game, but it is very much worth it and rewarding once you figure it out. Yeah, and I think you really have to know your game group. And for some people, it's okay to just have them at the table um, watching because if 
and I've talked about this before, but if you play with processors, the doot, doot, doot. I have it, actual friends, not computers, to play games okay, with. Okay, okay. But it, there there can be a slowdown component, and, and part of the, the only nitpick that I have is this is a game where I know it's going to end. And after you've played it a few times, you can see that person's going to win on their next turn, and there's nothing I can do to get to the win. And there aren't many games that we review that are like that. Uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I know the last time you and I played, and in, in the last few times when I've played, it's I'm going to win or they're going to win. This is my last turn. I'm done. Yeah, and one of the things is when you're teaching the game, as we've talked about, there's all the different... Every character is different. Part of it, which we're working on a skill builder for that will be coming out, is to help people learn each character. Yeah, offload because, some of that work. Because part of the problem, or I shouldn't say the problem, but part of the difficulty of this game is it's, it's one thing to know what your character needs to do, but just as much of this game is defense. Yeah, you need to know what the other characters are, you know, what your opponents are trying to do to make sure you can do what you can to stop them, and that doesn't happen until you've played several games, yeah, and are familiar with all of the characters. So that's one of our biggest nitpicks, and we're working on on trying to address that. the The only other one I haven't figured out a way to do it in a skill builder. When I played this with six people over Thanksgiving, it was two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, that's a while. Yeah, yeah. Because and that's what I mean by I talk well. If you have someone who processes and can slow down, no, I, I have a family member who is very thorough in their process. Oh, we've talked about him before. <laughs> no, no, this is a different one. Oh, you got so a lot of them. So imagine bringing both of them to the table. Yeah, I was right. Now uh, the person could dismantle a car engine and put it back together in their mind. I don't have that skill, but in terms of Disney's villainous, it's like you need to play here. So <laughs> it's one where if I play with, with five or six, I would probably do a house rule and have an artificial timer and well, just or, put 90 seconds on it. Get, get, or, get a or divide timer. it up into two, three player games. Uh, yeah, that's, that's possible as well. I mean, you're going to cut down the time. I'd and, get thrown to the kitty table though. They, they'd uh, make well, me go to the little card table. <laughs> with those multicolor chairs, you know the one with the yellow chair and the blue chair. Do you guys have that that card table in your family? Well, we have a kids table. Yeah, yeah. yeah everybody's yeah. got a kids table. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll try being six foot two sitting at the kids table. Yeah. I wish I could. Every holiday. I wish I could be six foot two, <laughs> and say so it'd be worth it. Worth it to be six foot two just to sit at the kids All table. All right. Moving on. All right. So it may have sounded like there's some things that we don't like about this game. When a reiterate that this is a great game. It's a great game. I and just want to be upfront with people though yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. You don't I don't want people to go to Target, pick this up because they like Disney and get home and be like this is not for me. You don't do this on Christmas morning. This after the kids go to bed, you know, put it bring it to the table yep. and open it up and do a walkthrough before All right. So let's talk about some of the skills that are built into this game. There's a lot of them, Doug. There, there really is, and I, I'm excited to hear the level of crossover that we have. Yep. Because as I look at our different skills and subjects that we have mapped out, there, there are a lot of them. I'll, I'll go ahead. First one that I have is critical thinking, 
And critical thinking is a game that requires students to analyze facts and form a judgment based on the multiple win objectives. I can't just focus in on my board. I, yeah. I need to know what Doug's villain is doing and what Doug's villain is going to do next. And on a turn, I have multiple actions that I can play. And I need to look at who's sitting to my left because if I'm the only person that can play a fate card before Doug's about to win, I have to play a fate card. That is critical thinking in action. And I know we've talked about with a lot of our games, critical thinking, critical thinking, critical thinking. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, it's one of the most sought-after skills in the classroom and also one of the most difficult skills to pull out of traditional subjects and activities that are in textbooks, and it is definitely in this game. Any pushback on that one, Doug? Nope, not not, not really, because it's on my list. Yay! Also made my list. Uh, I'm going to jump in. This one is one that Michael talks a lot about. Sometimes I don't always agree with it, but it is definitely on my list, and it, it actually has a, a one-two combo punch on this game, and that is comprehension along with reading. Yeah. Okay, so... Comprehension, a game that bolsters a student's ability to process text and understand its meaning, coupled with a game that includes opportunities for stu students to develop reading skills. Every card in this game has words on it that need to be read. You need to comprehend them, and you need to understand what they're trying to do. It's the, the crux of the game. Yeah. You cannot have that game without picking up these skills. Like Michael said, part of it, critical thinking, understanding what your opponents are doing, you need to read your cards and you need to understand how to play them and how they can integrate into what you're trying to do to win the game. Yeah, and one character that comes to mind, Ursula, the way that Ursula defeats uh, heroes and uh, is through binding contracts. And so if I play this game with my eight-year-old and she's sitting on my left, she just needs to understand that concept and comprehend that concept and then she can go to work. But every single hero has those different pieces, or villain, sorry, has, have, has those pieces fit, fit into it by the heroes that are in their deck. So if you're playing as Jafar, you, have, you will get faced with Aladdin and Jasmine, and you have to be able to execute what is on those cards. I absolutely agree. It's on my list. I had it as the second to highest, not that we put these in order, and um, it, it's, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the critical thinking. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is there's a lot of games that come out every year. A, a big push is to have games that are language-independent. Yeah. They're using symbols, and they're, there's no text because they want it to be able to work in the United States and then and in Germany without, without having to print multiple different versions of a game. This is not that game. There is English text in this game, and I think it's for the benefit of, I do the, too. of the game. I do, too. All right, what's your next one, Michael? Um, strategic thinking is the next one on my list. And Wrong. strategic thinking no, is a game that encourages <laughs> students to develop a process or long-term strategy for accomplishing a goal. And we talked about you know, two-player, six-player, but Doug and I played this game a couple weeks ago, and I noticed Doug was a queen of hearts. So I was going to do everything that I could do in my power to go for the quick win 
because the Queen of Hearts takes these cards and turns them into wickets and then takes a shot. And I could see him lining up his shot. And I looked down and I thought, I've got about four turns before I lose no matter what. It might be on the fifth turn, but I have to get to work now. And so although someone may say, well, isn't that tactical thinking because you're you're pivoting and you're doing this in action? No, this game, you can map things out for two and three turns at a time most of the time. Um, The big thing is on your player board, you have to keep certain spaces clear so that you can carry out those actions. Well, and I'll go a step a step further on that is it's not on my list because I kind of chunked it under critical thinking. And like you said, there is a lot of stuff going on here. But the core concept of your win objective, your strategy is laid out for yeah. the whole game. Regardless of whether you have to pivot or not, there is one thing that you are trying to do, which is different than a lot of games, yeah. that, that you have your thing that you need to do and you need to figure out how you're going to get there um, is is pretty strong in this game. And it's the fourth time we're saying it, but it's different for each villain. There's not a score track that everyone is marching around and you can openly yep. see. So I have to be strategic in how am I going to win in the game theory of what's going into how you're trying to win. What do you got? Uh, next one I've got is competition. Ooh, I, that didn't hit my list, and you know I love competition. Tell me about a it. A game that develops healthy competitive habits as two or more parties compete for a goal that cannot be shared. The reason I put this on the list is there is obviously the competition among the players that are in there. But what I like about this version of competition is that you do need to thwart your opponents. You need to attack them a little bit, but it's not a mean attack. It's just built into part of the game. And I I think it eases players into that idea that, yeah, people are going to be knocking There's you down a peg. There's nothing mean about this game. You know, you're going to somebody. If you're you're playing as Jafar, somebody may have to put Jasmine in your realm. Like that's yeah. just part of the game. And I think it's a good building block to teach that that you can't operate in a bubble in life, in in gaming, and in life. And sometimes right. things are going to get thrown at you. And sometimes the people throwing things at you don't know that they're doing it. You know, or yeah. or they're not doing it on purpose. Well, and, and to that's, add to that's that, life. If you're going to hurt somebody, you might as well hurt a villain, right? Yeah. If you're going to yeah. hurt somebody, yeah. you might as well send, it all makes sense. Send Abu and Aladdin in to get <laughs> Jafar, right? Exactly. So that's why I've got competition on there. That's really good, and we don't usually agree as we have agreed so far. But I I, I see that, and uh, that that's a good call on your part. I have patience. And patience is a game that helps students to remain calm and better tolerate delays. And I talked about how the game can go long if if you're playing with a big group. But the other part about patience is when somebody puts a hero down on my realm, that limits the amount of actions that I can do. And that requires patience. Because think about it now, especially in the mind of a child, right? If I'm looking down at my game board and I know my next move, I'm going to move over to that square, and there are four different things I'm going to get to do. And then all of a sudden, somebody throws down a card on that, and now I can only do two of those things? What? Yeah, that, that's where I think the game has that integrated right into it. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a good one too. I think also there's if you're playing with more people, there's nothing saying that the person right next to you is playing a fake card. Yeah. So somebody might play a fake card and and a hero might fall into your area and you've got several turns to kind of think about that plan that just got derailed. Yeah. Which is a good way to alleviate the patients, you know, that the, they still have to wait for their turn to come around to do something, but that thinking process uh, helps disguise and 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 gives them a little bit something to do even when it's not their turn. Awesome. What do you have? You have two skills left, three skills? I got one one skill because okay. re- reading and comprehension were two two separate, okay. but they're so intertwined or intertwined. Intertwined. You're yeah. making up words. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna email Webster about it, see if he'll add it to his his book um, or her book. Is it his or her? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> pronouns pal um last one i have a spatial perception which is a game that strengthens students understanding of spatial relationships with objects objects in their environment as well as themselves now there are two parts of this game that fit into this category as michael said each player is dealing with a a board that's got four locations on it each of those locations have different abilities you need to figure out which location you need to go to to take the the actions that you want. That's one aspect. It's like, I need to take this so it looks like I'm, I am, you know, sometimes you have a choice of one or two, and it's a combination of which actions. Okay, that's there just on the base level. But the other part is a big part of this game, and a lot of the villains have to move characters from different parts of the board to others. So you have to figure out how to get Peter Pan all the way over to your ship. Yeah. You have to figure out, you have to plan how to get these things over and, and managing, you know, some of the card abilities allow one of your allies to defeat several heroes if you can get them into the same location. So there's kind of that mind mapping that happens as you, yeah. you look around the board to see, okay, can I put this here? And there's a strategy on where you have to play things to get the maximum effect out of them. So we jumped pretty deep into some of the jargon of the game. Allies are what they sound like they are. They are characters. Henchmen. They're kind of like your henchmen. That are on your team. Okay. And then items go both ways. I, items will be in, in the fate deck. And um, an example would be the trident. If uh, Doug's mother-in-law, you know, mm-hmm. if the the trident card now it's comes on you. Out, <laughs> no man, you're the I, one who brought it up. Send, I'm going to send her that this. door, but and I kicked it open. That didn't mean you had to walk through it. That that's where that skill is definitely present, and uh, that's a good call right there. All right, you got two left. I think I'm down to one because okay. I also had comprehension, patience, strategic thinking, critical thinking, problem solving is the last one that I have featured here. It's a game that develops a student's skill to find solutions for difficult or complex issues. It it goes hand in hand with what Doug was just referencing with his last skill. What was your last skill here, man? I know I'm spatial I was perception. Spatial perception. And the problem solving is it's there. It's present, and it's present from the onset of the game. From the time you pick your board and you say, this is my win objective, how am I going to achieve that? 
here's the deal though. You get four cards in your hand when you draw them. So then you really have to solve how am I going to get additional cards in my hand or or make the most use out of the cards that are in my hand. I I cannot stress enough the design team that made this. Prospero Hall's behind this one, right? Do I have that one right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and they have done over the last two or three years, this group has designed games that are different, that are fun, that are available, and that have problem solving and critical thinking and these skills worked right into them. And uh, you know, we talked about it in Horrified last week. And this is another one. Also by Prospero Hall. Yeah, from the same design team. And, and I just wanted to mention that, that it's not an accident. I can't imagine the amount of hours that went into prototyping and testing and balancing as we have taken apart the game to put together skill builders to better understand how we can help teach the game of Villainous to gamers of all ages. I'm really impressed with all the different pieces that are applied in each deck of each villain. Yeah, and I'm going to piggyback right on top of that. I think it's a great one as well. Like you said at the start of this, there are a lot of skills in this game. As far as problem solving, one of the tricky parts is you said you only get four cards. Some of your win objectives require you to get cards out of the fate deck. You know, the heroes need to come into play. Some of your cards require you to get items out of of your own player deck. Yeah. And so you need to figure out a way to use the cards to to cycle through them faster. There's a lot of problem solving that goes into, yeah, I know my objective, but how am I going to carry it out? Yep. So great one there. Uh, that wraps up our skills for Villainous. Anything else that you want to yeah, touch base on? We've talked about this game a lot here, but the last thing I want to talk about is replayability. Okay. And I, I didn't mean to just jump in strong about how difficult it was for me to teach the game the first time and how that backfired, but I, I, there's a reason for that because I knew I was going to say a lot of positive things about the game. This is a game that you can play over and over and over again, and it changes all the time because each time you play with two players is going to be very different than when you play with three players. Introduce this game to different groups. I think that that's my last thing to say is that maybe your your parents aren't gamers or your nieces or nephews or grandparents or if if you're in scouts or church or if you're on a, a traveling ball team this is a game bring to the hotel and, and, and bring it out and, and people of all ages I, I'm really I'm talking eight to eighteen year olds here uh, it, it's a game that you can you should take to college with you uh, because you, it can get to the table and you can have fun. And it changes all the time. And there aren't many games that have that level of replayability. Yeah. And like you said, the age gap, people know Disney. People know these films. So you're getting over two hurdles. One is it's getting people in the door by playing a game in an IP that they love. And because they know the films and the theme is so closely tied they can pick up some of those objectives because they're doing the objectives of what the person in the movie did. Yeah. So as much as it can be a bear to teach, it's worth the teach. And this game is available at, at almost all big box yeah. stores. So if you're interested in what we talked about, 
That is Disney villainous. And one more last word, which you can absolutely edit out, but I, did I tell you my expansion idea? And I don't even need credit for this. I would just okay. love for it to show up at my house. Okay. D- Disney, the Walt Disney Company also owns ESPN. Right, I think it would be phenomenal <laughs> to have an ESPN, and you, it doesn't need to be a villainous theme. But could you imagine playing the game as Stuart Scott and Steve Smith and and all of our favorite announcers growing up from from Sports Center and what? <laughs> yeah, what are they fighting? Each other, man. I don't know. I haven't gotten to the win objective on it yet. But this Scott, is an, this Scott is Van Pelt an, versus Stuart Scott. Wouldn't that be great? This like is Chris Berman. No, this is an ill-conceived idea <laughs> that the game, you, school, game schooler does not endorse. The oh. views expressed here are the expressed views of Michael, Dr. Michael McCabe, and no one else. Me, but that that came to me this morning on my run, man, when I was thinking about the podcast, and I was like, oh, I wonder if Doug will like that. Well, no, he won't. But an ESPN <laughs> villain is, could could be coming at some point. You know, they're going to run out of Disney villains what, eventually. W- no, I guess the heroes should be, you know, Stuart Scott. the The villain is budget cuts, <laughs> lack of viewership, <laughs> those type of things. You're playing as budget cuts, and you need to cut these broadcasters. Oh no, no. Well, I'll work on it. I'll come back. All right. Yeah, yeah. Ref- you hone that. All right, so that's Disney Villainous. Let's uh, move on to the School of Gaming. This segment is brought to you by Trail by Rail, a skill builder for Ticket to Ride. Did the player who won the longest route bonus card in the game actually build the longest rail in miles? Students will review basic math processes and learn to use map applications with the help of this 16-page guide. Your gamers will also have the chance to explore how train travel has advanced through the years. This skill builder is for grades 3 to 5 and teaches healthy competition, spatial perception, and problem-solving skills. And don't forget geography and arithmetic. So the question is, did you really have the longest route? In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be talking about Acitrometric Games, brought to you by Doug Kotecki, and place-based learning. Nailed it. (laughs) Let's go with take two, Doug. (laughs) No, we'll keep it in. (laughs) We don't do takes here. What are you talking All about? Right. So you're up first with asymmetric games. Why do I keep putting an extra symmetric in there? Asymmetric games. Yeah, asymmetric games. So we just got done talking about Disney Villainous. That is an asymmetric game. Why? Well, I'm gonna, I'll get there, All buddy. Right. I got it laid out. Right. You don't need to jump the gun. You think I'm going to get through the whole segment and not explain it? All right. First, before I want to do I want to talk about a symmetric game which is games that you're probably more familiar with. Those are the type of games that we play all the time. This is where each player has the exact same goal. What do Ah. I mean by the same goal? So, for example, chess, you're trying to capture the queen. Both players are trying to to, uh, capture the opposing queen. King, actually, to win the game. Well, I don't play chess. Oh, my gosh, man. 
Is that what it is? Finally, can, a game I king? can beat you in. Yeah, yeah but don't, you don't take you... the other person's king. If you take their queen, they're still alive. But, checkmate. Checkmate. Your king can't move. Your king can't move. I okay. got your king. All right. Well, you just schooled me. This is the school <laughs> of gaming. Uh, the other one is uh, scoring points. First person to score this many points wins. Whoever has the most points. But both players are trying to score, or all, you know, all the players are trying to score points. And the other type would be like a race, you know, the first person to get to a certain space on the board. So those are games that almost all of the games that you think about when you think of tabletop gaming, you are thinking of symmetric games. Asymmetric games are where the players have completely different goals. They're not playing towards the same goals. This is often confused in what I think is in the world of variable player powers where everybody still has the same goal, but each player has different advantages. So you might have an ability that allows you to do something. I may have a different ability that allows me to do something else, but ultimately we're both working towards the same goal, whether it's scoring points uh, along those lines. Asymmetric games are ones where we have two completely different games or different goals. So in the world of villainous, you and I both may use the same mechanisms, but if you're playing Jafar and I'm playing Captain Hook, we have completely different ways to win the game. Yeah. So the pros of this type of a game is replayability. Okay, there are a lot of different, you know, in the, in the course of Villainous, there are six different villains, each one with its own unique winning objective. So you have those combinations of not only the players that are in the game and stopping them, but also your own character, which leads to the depth. There is a lot of depth in asymmetrical games because it takes time to figure out the idiosyncrasies of each player or each character that you're yeah. playing, each, each side. So that adds depth. There's a lot of richness in there. You cannot master it in one game. Are there any other games on our on our list, on our family list that we've gone through, you know, when we talk about our stringent criteria that we've rated that that have that asymmetrical? Not yet. I okay. mean, I've got some popular examples yeah. um coming up, but nothing nothing that we've addressed so yeah. far. The the cons of an asymmetrical game is it's difficult to learn. They're always going to be difficult to learn because you have to teach one set of rules to somebody and another set to an, to the other player. Yeah. The more players, you multiply that out. Not only that, it's difficult to master. You can't play villainous once and learn the whole game. No, you, that's true. You, you know, so it's a it's the same side of a different coin, which is it's hard to master, which is what gives it its depth. Yeah. So it's hard that, that you, frustration, you that can't, friction. That's yeah, fun. you can't get the the whole experience after one game. It's mm-hmm. going to take multiple experiences. Now, if you don't like the game. Tough. That's not going to be a, a, a good thing. But uh, So some popular examples of this would be a game called Cosmic Encounter, where everybody has a different... different. Uh, now that I say that, I don't even know that that is. Agricola is the one that I hear about often on the board game podcast. I'm going to take Cosmic Encounter off this list. I'm going to cut here at 50, 15, because that's a variable player powers. All right. So here are a couple of popular examples. One of them is a two-player game called Mr. Jack. 
in Mr. Jack, one player is is Jack the Ripper. The other person is, uh, and it's not a violent, gory game. That's not. <laughs> but not a family-friendly one? Oh, it's family-friendly. It okay. Yeah, yeah. One person is, is, is Jack the Ripper. The other person is a detective. So Jack the Ripper's goal is to get out of town before he gets caught. The detective's goal is to capture Mr. Jack. Two different goals. They're both trying to do different things. They both have different abilities to do that, but each each goal is different. Another one, Michael, that you've played is Jaws. Oh yeah. Is one where one player is the is the Jaws and the other people are trying to defeat Jaws. That's also a one versus many game. Yeah. So a lot of one versus many could fall into that because uh people have different ways to win. Um uh, the Betrayal at House of the Hill is another one. Not necessarily family-friendly, but if you're a gamer, you know it. That one is one where uh, a haunt occurs at, at, a, at a mansion. And once that happens, people divide up into different teams that have different ways of winning. So that's uh, asymmetric games. Hopefully we give you, a, if you hear that in the future, you'll know what that means. And like I said, don't confuse that with variable player powers. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. That, that's helpful. So what is place-based learning? Yeah. I keep wanting to say plant-based learning. Plant-based learning. And no. how is this different than project-based learning, which we talked about a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So I, I want to bring to our listeners just some different uh, edge-speak, jargon, methods, and why. Because there are so many different great ways to do teaching and learning. I've been fortunate enough to be able to teach or be a principal in a public, private, and charter school setting. I've just been very fortunate to have different types of experiences. And place-based learning is where you do learning in the community. I mean, truly think about what, what we did as kids, and not to say that I know what your educational experience was like growing up, but... You know, if one year you go to the pumpkin pumpkin patch and the next year you go to the farm where they do maple syrup and you, you do the sugar shack right there and you, you see it, that's kind of the, the, the elementary version of place-based learning where it really goes to, um, I, I'll never forget it, all right, I, 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 he's now a friend of mine, but at one point in time I was touring schools um, all across the country, helping to, to start a charter school. And part of that was you go see other charter schools, right? And um, I, I asked this guy, I said, well, what, what do you do for your... It, it, it's also called expeditionary learning, which is when you kind of get out and learn in the community. And that's a different type. But I was talking about what do you do It's like for going, your, into, going into the forest to learn yeah, about nature. Yeah, what You're do you, picking up leaves. What do you do for, for this? Give me an example. And, and this school did a lot of travel. And he, the, this school leader budgeted a hundred thousand dollars a year for trips. Yeah. So pocket change. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was a big part of his budget. And um, he said, "Well, we just got done reading uh, Sandra Cisneros' House on Mango Street." And I said, "Okay, so now what are you going to do? We're taking a trip down to the border. We're we're going to Mexico. We're taking twelve students down. Uh, so that's the." I mean, in terms of one end of the place-based learning where you have major field trips, you're going to travel the world. And if you're in rural America or in a rural part of the world, you say, well, how is that relevant to me and what I'm doing? 
because going out into the farm, into the woods, as Doug just talked about, that's integral to the place-based learning experience as well. It can be, we're going to take this local pond and we're going to study the ecosystem in and out. And then we're going to compare it to the largest lake regionally. And we're going to be outside uh, and we're going to do that work. But it doesn't, it's not always dependent on a natural resource either. I need to stress that because for a lot of place-based learning, it also takes place in restaurants or bakeries or, or whatever you have in your community. Uh, and it looks different at different levels. Some high schools do a lot with internships. That's an exa- another classic example of place-based learning, where if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, or even into college, you have an internship and, and a community partner that you go and you learn from. Basically, to bottom line it, it's learning that happens outside the schoolhouse, and it's learning that happens in the community. Cool. Yeah, and we've got uh, a couple of skill builders that that we're working on, and, and you may have seen that that are incorporating yeah, that, incorporating they, your outside world. And, and I'm sorry, I just interrupted you, Doug, but right there in the instructional design component of our skill builders, that's a phrase that, that is used often is place-based learning means something. You need to go somewhere to learn this. In one skill builder that we completed recently, we, we talked very openly about it. Do this at a library. Mm-hmm. Take this skill builder to your local library and dive in. Um, and so that's, that's a, the overview. I didn't want to get into the nuts and bolts of the method and dive too deep into it. Um, but it is different. That's different than project-based learning because project-based learning is a project. Place-based learning, you need the place to, to do the learning. All right, cool. So that is asymmetric games and place-based learning. And let's uh, move on to the high-five challenge. Oh, I'm excited for this one, Doug. Jumping right in, or do we need to stop here? The high-five challenge is brought to you by Exploring Ancient Wonders a subject builder for Seven Wonders. Subject builders are a perfect tie-in to any game and provide valuable context before playing. From the pharaohs to Alexander the Great, historic leaders commissioned wonders, and ancient civilizations built a wide variety of magnificent structures. The board game Seven Wonders highlights the historic, must-see sites that shaped Western culture. In exploring ancient wonders, gamers explore the pyramids, bronze statues, temples, and monuments that comprise the seven wonders of the ancient world. All right, I'm really excited for this one, the high five. If you're anything like us, you are constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. It's a good thing my friend owns a game shop. Each week for the high five challenge, Doug shares a top five list of family-friendly games and me, Michael, chooses the topic. So what is this week's topic? Games to bring on your next road trip. All right. This is a good one. I thought so. So I've got two uh, honorable mentions, which I usually do. So my criteria for this one is assuming you're going on a road trip, assuming you have a van like I do with that can hold 8,000 people with a fraction of the trunk space that I feel like, do you feel like your Accord has more space than your van? 
It does. In a truck. It does. I feel like my 97 Toyota Corolla that had the floorboards rusted out on it had more space than our van. Yeah. Vans well, those, those are for bodies. <laughs> Vans fill up. Yeah. So so one of my criteria was that it needed to be compact. I got to be able to fit this in to travel with my family. That being said, the two honorable mentions, one of them is Shot and Totten, which we just yes. talked about recently which I think is just a great, and the reason it didn't make the list is I, I think of it's a two-player two game. Two-player, yeah. Okay, so it's a small, compact two-player game. If you're going out with your wife on a nice little road trip, that might be a good one. And I thought down the line, we may have traveling two-player games. So Shot and Totten, two players, it's um, you're, you're going back and forth, laying number cards down, trying to get a better set or suit or run than your opponent and how those cards come out. It, there's a lot of great tension in that game. Yep. And who made that game, Doug? Uh, Dr. Reiner Knizia. Yes, which was also... One of uh, his 614? Yeah, it started out as Shot and Totten, I believe, and then it turned into Battle Line and then turned back into Shot and Totten. So oh, who knows? I thought it went Battle Line to Shot and Totten. It, it, that's his sequence, huh? I'm pretty sure it started as Shot okay. and Totten. I could be m- mistaken, but... Uh, Interesting. It... Even if it didn't go in that sequence, it, there are two versions of it. It's a fun game. It's easy to learn. The other one I put on there is Unlock, any of the mm-hmm. Unlock series, which I think is a, is a great game, small package, cooperative with a family. The only reason it didn't make the list, I wanted to throw out there as an option, but the only reason I kept it off the list is because you can play it once and, and you're done for the trip. So if you need a one-time, you need to fill up an hour or two for one night of your trip, I would 100% recommend that game. I typically don't like the Unlock games, but I love this idea here because it's also a way to curate and capture a memory. So yep. when I travel with my family, we try to under-schedule one day, one day where we are just where we can have books, coffee, kids can watch shows, and that would be a great time to bring Unlocked out and do it once and then leave it in the trash. Yep. Uh, you. That is, it's reusable. No, they're not. Yeah, it is. You can replay unlocked. Exit, you destroy. Exit, you trash. Thank you. Yes. Great correction. Uh, give it to a friend. Donate it to Goodwill. <laughs> okay. Don't throw it away, okay. you monster. Easy, easy. <laughs> All right, so onto the list. Number five, I have Similo, yes. which is a cooperative game, great for the family, and it's 20 cards. Yep. 20, 30. I mean, it might be more, but... 12 it, come out at a time, it's right? A, it's a limited deck of cards. All it is is a deck of cards. Bigger cards, but still a deck of cards. Great cooperative game to play with the whole family. Limited table space. My family has enjoyed it. Um, so has mine. Yep. So great, great game to look at. Basically, there's a, a group of 12 cards out on the table, and then the clue giver, you're trying to guess one of those characters. So there's fairy tales... Historic figures, mythical, cre- uh, mythical figures, and I think they have animals and something else coming out soon. Um, so there, fairly soon there will be five versions. Yep. You can mix and match and and do things. But you're trying to get if you're the clue giver, you're trying to get the other opponents or your your other partners to guess which one of the twelve is is the character. You're playing other cards from the deck, saying the character you're looking for is similar or not similar to the clue that I'm giving you. Yep. Uh, so it's worked out really well. Have you played the app? 
I have not. All right, yeah, it's it, it's can out you, there. It, yeah, can you can't play a computer, can you? I don't. I have it downloaded. I haven't actually played it. That's where it, it's one yeah. that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah that that would be interesting. I'm curious how that would work. Uh, number four, I have Love Letter, which I think is 18 cards. Very small card game. A lot of these are going to be card games because they're compact. Love Letter is. Oh, how do I describe this? You have two cards on your in your uh, in your hand. You play one and keep the other. When your turn comes around, you draw another card and you're keeping one, playing the other. You're trying to eliminate and be the last person standing. The theme of the original is you're trying to get your love your letter to the princess. So, if all the cards run out and you have the princess, you win. Or if you can force everybody else to eliminate their cards so one of the cards lets you guess the number i think the numbered one through nine um could be off on that but one through nine and you say oh michael i think you've got a five well if michael has a five he's out of the round okay you can play another card that says all right let's remember i start with two cards in my hand i play one down the card that i play down i take the action of the action might be compare compare your hand your your card with another player's card if my card is higher, the other guy gets knocked out. Interesting. And so there's a little bit of, of push and pull. There's certain cards where uh, if you have a card and you're forced to to discard it, you lose. Oh. If there's a, another card that I think if the if you have the princess, you can't get rid of it, but then other people might know that you have the princess. So there's a lot of interesting decisions packed into a small game. I... <laughs> This was one that went on a retheming Bonanza, and I have the I have the original one, but I have the Batman one, so it's called Batman Love Letter, which is really awkward, <laughs> but thematically it plays really well. It's the same concept, and uh, I really enjoy it. That's great. Number three, I have Llama. Uh, I love Llama, which is uh, a fast fast card game where you're playing llama. playing uh, number cards one through six and a llama. On your turn, you're trying to get rid of all your cards. You can play the same number that's down there or one higher, and the llama resets it back to a one. Cool thing is you can drop out at any point, and you are only scoring one version of each number that you have. Yep. So if I've got five ones in my hand and I drop out, I'm only scoring one point at the end. You do not want points. There are black and white chips. The black chip is worth 10 cool thing is if you go out and you get rid of all of your cards you get to put back one of your chips it can be a black chip so you could go down 10 points in one turn if you go out at the right time so it's a it's a good game and it fits a wide range of people so that's why that one's on my list it's one of the few games that my entire family can play and has played for the last six months Uh, my four-year-old actually learned her numbers and number sequence with with llama because each card has its own color. And every time she lays down the llama, she goes, llama. <laughs> so it, it's, and, but it's a fun game. And, and 10 minutes, 15 minutes t- tops, it's done. That's a great pull. All right. And I didn't want to spoil it, but I added number two. I think this highly of this game is Ohanami. Oh. Uh, in Ohanami, there's a deck numbered one through tw- uh, 120 in four different suits various quantities of the four different suits and you are building three different gardens you drafting cards 
throughout the game. So you're going to get a stack of cards. You're going to pick two. You're going to put them in your garden if you like to. The interesting part comes is that you can only add an ascending or descending order. So if I had uh, a card 50 and a card 40 in the same garden, and in the next round of, of cards that gets passed to me, there's a 45. It's like, oh, that's great, but you can't tuck it in there. Yep. It's it, You're either putting it in a completely different garden or you're So you you're like wasting. that game. I huh? love it. I awesome. love the awesome. number counting, and and to me it it blew away truffle shuffle in the oh i like it, that one in too. the comparison between the two i would i'd play ohanami every day of the week over truffle shuffle and the last one on my list number one ironically is the biggest box of the list but you don't need to carry it in that box you can just carry it as a set of cards is point salad ah so the way and the amount of replayability of this there are uh, rows of vegetables out, and on the back of every row of vegetable is scoring cards. You are choosing whether you're going to take two vegetables or two scoring or one scoring card off the top of the pile. Have you played this, Michael? One time, two. Did it come out two years ago, three years ago? Possibly. Yeah, w- one time over here briefly, but okay. it, it's as if I'm playing it again for the first time. Keep going. All right. So you you have six cards are out at a time of vegetables. You take two of them, and there's this interesting thing that happens where you're trying to decide whether you should collect more vegetables or more scoring cards. And the cool thing is a lot of times with with games with, with scoring cards, they'll only let you use a card for a single scoring. Yeah. This one, you're scoring everything. everything. So your tomato can count for this scoring card. You can use it to, that tomato to count for this scoring card. That's cool. And And the variability of it, is is awesome and it just every game is a is a different game and you can kind of see oh well michael's collecting carrots so the interesting thing is each card the top of the deck where you're selecting the the abilities from or the scoring cards there's a little icon that says what's on the other side of that card oh so if i know that michael's collecting carrots i'm like i think i'm gonna take that scoring card so it doesn't come out as a carrot for Michael to take. Yeah. Because if I took vegetables, that would flip out for him. And you've loved this game for a long time. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. a really good game. And then the rules are so easy, okay. easy to comprehend. All I have to tell somebody is you either take two vegetables or you take a scoring card. Okay. That's it. And we just keep picking cards as the game rolls along. And then you add up your points at the end of the game. Your wife and kids like it as much as you do. Like, will they sit down and play point salad with you? I don't know if I've played this with Emily. Okay. Katie has played it, and and everybody I've showed it to has enjoyed it. Okay. So I've never had a bad experience with it. So that's my number one, point salad. That's awesome. I want to keep it rolling here for a minute. I noticed a few things about your list. Yes. The seven games, they are all card games, and yep. except for Unlocked, but I do believe you have Unlocked on your card game shelf. It so. is, yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. And so you you got a question? Is this a question for me? I'm getting there. I'm building to that. I'm okay. framing it. All right, cool. When I assigned the topic road trip, mm-hmm. I we travel differently with our games. Do you know what I put my games in when I travel? And you might cringe when I say it. Oh, God. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, the same thing that I put my books in when I travel. Do, do you know? A milk carton. Milk carton is great because I don't have you a can, problem with that. Okay, good. You're protecting the corners. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and you can even set a nice little blanket down on, on the mm-hmm. inside if you mm-hmm. want to for that. 
but I truly was envisioning you would pick four or five, you know, a, a bookshelf cubby worth of games. So I like how you took this list and went much more compact than that. These could all fit in a purse. You, you could fit in all. Your man of, purse. You could fit all of these in the size of one big box game. Yeah, or in my and, parka coat, my yeah, big winter coat. Well, and one of the things I was thinking about while I was making the list was, as much as I like playing big box games, I don't know if the hotel I'm staying at is going to have a table big enough right. to gather around. Are we going to have table space? Are we not going to have table space? You know, a lot of these games are ones that you could play at a restaurant while you're waiting for food, Yeah, depending on the game, you know, yeah. and, and pack it up and, you know, sleeve up your games. And if somebody spills on it, who cares? But... That's a good um, list. Doug. So that's that's what I was thinking along those lines. And then uh, Shot and Totten 2. So he, he went Battle Line, Shot and Totten, Shot and Totten <laughs> yeah, 2. Yeah, add, so a, just, add another one to the no, list. No, I just wanted to, to <laughs> yeah, clean that yeah. up. The power of of the interwebs here while we were going. Did you, so. did you, you didn't happen to look up the date of those, did you? <laughs> I did not. Oh, all right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Should I look it up? Should we not leave people hanging? No, they can do their own research. No, I, like I need to, to do, do it for sometimes. them. All right. I, I need to do it for them. Keep talking. Keep but going. when we do the high five, how it works, generally on Tuesday or Wednesday, I will text Doug the topic of the week, and he puts it together. And then when he brings it into the show, we haven't talked. And I, I'm fascinated now because as we've completed our fourth episode here, and he has anywhere from 20 to um, you know, 28 games. There are so many games that I haven't played, but a few that, that I have. And it's just nice to hear about what's next and where you can go to find the games. Do you have the answer, Doug? I, I see do. you looking. Go I ahead. do. All right. So Shot and Totten came out in 1999. Okay. And then Board Game Geek, if you've not been there, great site. A boatload of information. A lot. Possibly too much. If you're a fan of heart, don't go there. So, But they have a little section that says re-implemented by. All right. So Shot and Totten came out in 1999 and was recently re-released 2018. Let's see, English version. 2016. The version that, that, that you have re-released in 2016. So the original came out in 1999. It was re-implemented as Battle Line in the year 2000. So one year later, that it already got a reskin re, re on it. It was also re-implemented by Battleline Medieval in 2017, which I, it's just new illustration came out to the 2017, but it's in the Battleline universe. And then <laughs> so, and then it was re-implemented by Shot and Totten Two, which came out in 2020. And I'm not sure what the difference is, but I'm sure there's a difference. But there are four slightly different versions of, of Shot and Totten and or Battle Line. Okay, so here's when we talk about going down a rabbit hole. And as somebody who's new to being a gamer, if you're just getting into the hobby, buckle up. Because <laughs> it, whatever you've collected in the past, it's not like that. It's not like shoes, if you've had a shoe collection, or I don't know what you would collect. I, this is but, surprising to me. Go ahead, Doug. Talking about rabbit holes. Do you know who designed Llama? 
Yeah, Reiner Knizia. I know. I didn't I know. know that. I didn't pay attention. I to know. That. Yeah, he's a wizard. That's he's a math I, wizard. Hold on. Now talk about rabbit holes. What was the rabbit hole that I got on earlier? I played Shot and Totten and loved it, and I knew that he did Llama. And I'm looking at the stack of games. A lot of the card games that I enjoy are Reiner Knizia. So I got on Board Game Geek to see the games that I would like of Reiner Knizia. There were 614 of them. I got frustrated. Check out how many card games. So go to Reiner Knizia on Board Game Geek and then drill down just under card games. It's over 200. And that's when I stopped. I was like, <laughs> ah, forget about it. Card game. Uh, let's see. I got to find one just while we're here because I know it's... Uh... So while Doug looks that up, in Shot and Ton 2, it looks like one player is the attacker trying to breach the walls and another player is a defender. So it's going to be a different game. So it's 220. 220 card Yeah, games. you can cut it down to however you need to cut it down, but it, 220 games. And I think when I was looking at, on uh, Saturday morning at my local coffee shop, it was 206, which might not be impossible. In the last five days, he might have done another 14 <laughs> games. He did another. Uh, but, but some of them are great. I mean... Even the ones that are just on this list with with llama and Shot oh okay and here you go here's what I was looking for there's a game called Friday the Thirteenth that he came out with 2005 under it it says alternate names it says Baker's dozen poison plus twelve more <laughs> it was also known as thirteen now, of course some of these might be in different languages so thirteen poison Baker's dozen, all the same game, and that doesn't yeah. even—that's not even included. Those are not broken up in the 214 games. Okay, I'm going to try to finish a point here, though. Yep. Where, where other things that you collect, maybe you enjoy an author and you have a favorite author. Well, guess what? You can go to a site called Amazon or your local library and get their book. With board games, if you have a preferred game designer, you may not be able to get that game. And so that's what I'm just trying to prepare people for, that games are not always available for lots of different reasons. Yep. Point finished. That is a good point. Good point and, and great for people new to the hobby. If you like what you heard today, consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider leaving a review, but only if you plan on leaving a five-star review. Take a screenshot of your review and send it to us at GameSchoolerU, and, and maybe we'll work something out for you. And follow us on Twitter at GameSchoolerU to stay up to date and learn about what's around the corner. You can download your free copy of Naming a Virus today at GameSchooler.com, where we have a full database of our recommended games, along with new skill builders, subject builders, and discussion guides dropping all the time. So on behalf of Michael and myself, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Now get out there and start game schooling.